Hey, I'm Matt, and I'm the student pastor at Watson Baptist Church here in Watson, Louisiana. And I'm excited to be launching this podcast. It's mainly for our students who meet on Wednesday nights for our Wednesday Night Refreshed, where we focus on growing in our faith in Christ through fellowship, worship, and studying the Word together, which helps us be refreshed and ready to go back out into the world to live for Christ. But this podcast is also for you, whoever you happen to be. See, my passion is sharing the gospel with anybody. And last I checked, you are anybody. But not just anybody, you're somebody. Somebody awesome, by the way. So whether you are part of our student ministry at Watson Baptist Church or not, welcome to Wednesday Night Whenever. Today, we are in our second lesson of our series, Meeting with Jesus, and we are taking a look at encounters Jesus had with people and how those encounters were life-changing for those involved. Those who met with Jesus walked away changed, with a life altered by an encounter with the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And that's just how it's supposed to be, by the way. That's, That's how it's supposed to happen. After meeting with Jesus, you're not meant to stay the same, to be the same. A response is required. Now, now you can choose to go backward and continue living the way that you were, but you still won't be the same you. You now possess knowledge that you didn't have prior, prior to the interaction with Christ. But either way, there will, there will be a response to either follow Him or follow after the world. And there can't be both. Last time, we began our series with Jesus calling his first disciples. And we see Simon Peter, after witnessing this miracle catch, after seeing God's power at work through Jesus, seeing him do something that himself and his fellow fishermen had been trying to do all night, and seeing Jesus do it just like that, he instantly knew who this man was in front of him. And he fell to the ground, and he told Jesus just to go away, to go away from me because I am a sinful man, Lord. He felt the weight and shame of his own sinful nature, and he knew that he wasn't worthy of being near the Son of God. Simon knew the unworthy nature that was within him, and in his shame, he told Jesus just to get away from him. It reminds me of a verse in Isaiah chapter 6, where we we see Isaiah being called into God's service as a prophet to God's people. And he was given a vision of God seated on his throne with a multitude of seraphim around him, worshiping him. And after seeing God on his throne, he said in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. He says, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am unclean, and I live surrounded by those who are unclean, of unclean lips. And he felt unworthy of his calling, of being in the presence of God, just like Simon Peter. And also like Simon, in in all of humanity, Isaiah experiences God's gift of grace. In Isaiah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, it says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, and in his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, "Now, Now that this has touched your lips, 
your iniquity is removed and your sin is atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord asking, Who will I send? Who will go for us? I said, Here I am. Send me. So we see iniquity being taken away from Isaiah by God's power. And then he is fit for God's service to go, to go out and, and be his mouthpiece for the people. But we see forgiveness. Forgiveness for sin. You know, the same is said about Peter. Jesus told him that from now on, he and his friends wouldn't be catchers of fish anymore. No, but they would be catchers of people. And it says that they got up, they left everything they had, and they followed Jesus. Here I am. Send me. Lives are changed by coming into contact with Jesus. But today, we're moving forward and taking a look at another encounter with Jesus. If you have your Bibles, which you should, you, know, you need to have them, uh, you can turn to Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Remember, I mentioned to you last time we were together the importance of having your Bibles uh, right there with you, you know, and so that you can have some time to just jot down some notes or, or highlight some key verses. You know, I always keep pens and highlighters available for our students to use. So you can turn, like I said, to Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And before we get into our passage tonight, I want to share some context with you. After calling his first disciples, his first followers, Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they start um, you know, teaching and healing. Uh, before the passage that we're actually going to be in today, Jesus heals a man of his leprosy, this disease that basically turns you into the walking dead. But scripture says that Jesus had so much compassion on the man, and he healed them. And Jesus told him not to go to anybody but the priest so that he could inspect him and see uh, that he is now healed and so that he could rejoin society again. But it says yet he went and he spread the news that Jesus healed him. And this made it basically impossible for Jesus to enter a town openly or not have a crowd gathered to him. And so people now have heard the news of this miraculous Jesus. Word has spread. No social media needed in this case. So, with that context, we're going to begin reading in Mark chapter 2, starting with verse 1. It says, When he entered Capernaum again after some days, it, it was reported that he was at home. So many people gathered together that there was no more room, not even in the doorway. And he was speaking the word to them. They came to him, bringing a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your, son, your sins are forgiven. So here we have Jesus at his, at his house, right? And people heard this, so they gathered together and, and went to where Jesus was, and they made it a very crowded house. Everyone was crowded together like sardines, and he begins to teach to the crowds here in this, in this, crowded, this crowded house when, when something crazy happens. A man is lowered down on a mat from the ceiling. I mean, that's how crowded it was in this house. Like, like nobody could fit even in the doorway. Like, that's, that's pretty packed. And so there were only really two ways in. You could tunnel from underneath, 
which unless you're like a mole person, would be really difficult. Or you could come, come down from the top of the house via the roof. You know, the roof is just a much easier scenario here. And so what we're going to see right now by, by looking at this meeting with Jesus, we're going to see a couple of things. But the main thing is we see a man being made whole. Because that's what we have here is a broken man. Well, how is he broken? Well, number one, he's a physically broken man. It says that he's paralyzed, that he's a paralytic. You know, it means that he, he, you know, he's paralyzed, he's bound to the mat that he's being carried in on. And so he probably doesn't have any movement in his legs, maybe even his arms. His whole body could be paralyzed, but he is physically broken. And then number two, he's spiritually broken. We see him carried in by four people, not being able to get in. They have to climb on the roof, dig through the roof, and then somehow they, they lower this broken man into the place where Jesus was. And I love this. I love this. Jesus, he didn't rebuke them. You know, he didn't yell at them, tell them that they were crazy or, or have them thrown out. No, it says because, you know, he saw their faith. I mean, this is a bold thing they're doing here. You know, desperate people do desperate things, don't they? And this shows that these five people, you know, the paralytic included, had faith that Jesus could heal him and that they were desperate. And in response to their faith, Jesus forgives the man's sins. You know, there is a reward here for their faith. Hey, just a, just a quick side note. You know, those of you who have, who have friends who are in need of meeting with Jesus, or maybe you have family members or co-workers, whoever, you know, you can be the one who brings them to meet him. You know, these four, these four guys, they dug through a roof and lowered their friend down to meet Jesus. They did everything possible to make sure their friend could meet with Jesus. So what will you do to make sure that your friends and loved ones get to meet with Christ? This is such an awesome story. There's so much meat here, so many things to take away. All right, well, back to where we were. This shows that the man wasn't just physically broken, right? But he was spiritually broken as well. But not for long, as Jesus rewards their faith and he forgives his sins. And he calls him son, showing him to now to be a son of God, sin-free. He gives him the label of son. Many see a man who is broken, but Jesus sees this man as son. Just like as believers, you know, we have that title as son or daughter, child of God. No matter what the world calls us, it doesn't hold a candle to the title that we have in Christ. And this broken man is now called son. His sins are forgiven. And then you had this group that was in the house there. You know, they were scribes, the teachers of the law, Pharisees, who, who didn't like what Jesus did or what he said. Let's continue looking at our text, uh, starting with verse 6 here. It says, But some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in, questioning in their hearts, Why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And so these scribes were sitting there, and in their hearts, they questioned what Jesus did. And in their hearts, you know, they said that Jesus had no authority in forgiving sin, that that was God's job. Is this man God? Surely not. By the way, there are people today who think that exact thing. There are those in other religions who say Jesus, well, he, he was just a good man. Or he was, just, you know, he was just a prophet who had good teachings. And I want to point out here that in this passage, it doesn't say that they audibly spoke out these protests. But what, what does it say here? 
They questioned in their hearts. But Jesus is both fully God and He's fully man. He knows our hearts. He's the only one who can see our heart condition. And and He notices the scribes' hearts here because He goes on and He says, verse 8, Right away, Jesus perceived in His Spirit what they were thinking like this within themselves and said to them, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk? But so that they may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he got up, took the mat, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded, and they gave glory to God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. I bet not. So these scribes were questioning the actions of Jesus in their hearts, saying that the forgiveness of sin is God's occupation. It's God's job. So who does he think he is? God? And then we see Jesus' response here. By the way, you know, the fact that he's responding to to thoughts, it shows just who he is. You know, that's just a miracle in itself. He responds directly to the thoughts of the scribes, and he asks them, why are you thinking these things? And then he goes and he proves that he is God, that forgiving sins is in his wheelhouse. And he says, hey, you believe, you, uh, you believe me? Well, what's harder to do, you know, uh, say your sins are forgiven or to get up and walk? And then he tells this still physically broken man to get up, take your mat, and to go home. And the man who still can't move, he's mat bound, he gets up takes up the mat that he was once bound to, and he leaves in front of everyone. And then you had those who who witnessed this amazing miracle praise God for it. This shows exactly who Jesus is, that that forgiveness is, is his occupation because he is God. But this meeting here between Jesus and this broken man, it left it left all those involved changed. We see the impact faith can have here in three ways. Number one, we have the faith of the friends, right, who brought the man to meet Jesus. They did everything possible to make sure their friend got to meet with Jesus out of, out of faith that he could heal him. And heal him he did. He did the ultimate healing work of forgiving him from his sins. And Jesus did this because of the faith that his friends had. Number two, we have the faith of those in the crowd who witnessed this miracle healing. They praised God, which was taking the first step of faith. It, was a, a, it wasn't a coincidence or happenstance. It was by God and God alone that this man was healed. And then praising God was them acknowledging that. And then you had number three, faith of the man made whole. Jesus told him to get up, and he got up. You know, that took faith. Here's a guy who's been paralyzed, bound to that mat probably for a while. And then, and then you get told just to get up. Yeah, right. Hey, I would if I could. But you know what? He had this faith because he had already experienced one miracle, having his sins forgiven. And so he knew, if hey, if my sins could be forgiven, then surely my physical state could be as well. Jesus told him to get up, and he got up. This man's life is changed after meeting with Jesus. He entered the meeting broken physically and spiritually, and he left being made whole. Not by anything he did, 
but by the grace of God, through forgiveness for sin, which only He has the power to do. All, all need the miracle of forgiveness. Have you experienced it? Maybe you have. Maybe you have experienced that forgiveness in Christ given to us through the message of the gospel. The good news that says that we don't have to get what we deserve. Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Death and total separation from God is what we deserve for our sin. But out of God's love for us, He sent His one and only Son, Jesus, into the world where He lived the only perfect life that has ever been lived to be the perfect sacrifice needed to set us free from the penalty of death that we deserve. He paid our sin debt, allowing us to one day be able to live with God forever. All we need to do is say, yes, I am a broken sinner who is guilty of breaking God's perfect law, and turn from those things, repent of those things, and turn to God, who paved the way through His Son's sacrifice for me to be in right standing with Him, accepting that gift of grace and forgiveness. So maybe your life has been forgiven. And you know you have this new life in Christ, that you're this new creation now. And as a follower of Jesus, you know, we're to, we're to be different than the rest of the world. And, and hey, forgiveness is part of that. You know, we are to be quick to forgive others, no matter what. So are you a forgiving person? We're commanded by God to forgive because of the fact that we are forgiven. So hey, maybe do you need to, do you need to work on that today, being, being more for, forgiving? I don't know what it is, but hey, what's God laying on your life today? It's not a coincidence that you're here listening to this message. So, so maybe God has been speaking to you through His Word as we've studied it together today. So, hey, just like with Simon and, and the man here, there needs to be a response. So, how will you respond? Pray with me. Father, I thank you so much for this time that we get to just study your Word. And I thank you that, that what we can learn from it, God, by this, by this story of this man made whole. He, was, he, was, he came in broken, spiritually and physically, but he left after meeting with Jesus, changed completely, made whole again. And Father, isn't that what it's like coming to faith in you? Experiencing your grace, being made whole again. And so Father, I pray for the person listening to this, that if they haven't put their hope and faith and trust in you, maybe that, that, to, to take to, uh, that today could be the day. That, to, that right now could be that time. So Father, be, be, be here with us. Continue to speak to us, God, and show us just the life-altering, life-changing message of your word and how meeting with you changes our lives completely. But we love you and we thank you for all that you are and all that you do for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, I want to, uh, once again, I want to shout out to Anchor, the app with the tools to help me bring this podcast to life. And I'm so excited to, to be launching it. Podcasting is one of those things I love to listen to. And so just being able to, to now host one and do one, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I just thank Anchor for, for giving me the tools to help do that. But I also want to thank you. Thank you so much for listening. It truly means a lot that you would take time out of your, out of your busy days to, to listen and study the word with me right now. But you know what? Hey, I'm Matt, and I'll talk to you next Wednesday night, you know, whenever.